inspiration. I can do anything. Education. Let's do this. And application. Oh boy, this is going to be good. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Keeping us out of the water hazard with some truth therapy and teeing up solutions for today's big issues. Here's your life caddy, Mr. Scott B. Black. So welcome to the world of Mr. Black. Welcome to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. And today is Memorial Day. And today, I would like to memorialize those that deserve to be remembered. You know, a lot of people don't know what Memorial Day is. Memorial Day is a day that we remember our fallen soldiers. Those people who gave it all. You know, Jesus said there is no greater love than to lay down your life for a brother. And leadership's about sacrifice. It's about verbs. Uh, it's about doing and being. Uh, it's about putting others before yourself. It's about hope peddling. There's so many things uh, that leadership is about. And today on Memorial Day, we want to remember those people who paid the ultimate price, who gave it all. You know, there are two analogies about your stuff. One of them is this, uh, you leave things on the table. Now, when you leave something on the table, that's a sales analogy, a sales metaphor. That means that you got something, but you could have gotten so much more, that you settled, if you will, that you left things on the table, meaning that there was more accessible, more available to you than you chose to take. But the second place to leave your stuff is on the field. And when you leave your stuff on the field, it is a metaphor, it is an analogy for giving it all, for leaving nothing in the locker room, for leaving nothing on the table. And that really is what we celebrate today with our soldiers, the men and women who chose to sacrifice, who chose to put others before themselves, who chose uh, to pay the ultimate price with life liberty, limbs, and today uh, I'm, I'm astonished by the disrespect. So we're going to start today with story time with Mr. Black. When I moved to Texas years ago, I was stuck on the freeway. Uh, traffic had stopped. I had sat there for a while, and I decided that I was going to go home and figure out what took place because something bad happened. Uh, they wouldn't have basically shut down the freeway for no reason. And so I searched, and this is what I found out. There was this man, he was a local news guy. I don't know what he did, but he was on the radio. And uh, his shift was over. It was around lunchtime. So he was driving home, and he told his wife, hey, honey, I'm coming home. Let's have lunch. And few vehicles up in front of this man driving home, there was this flatbed truck, a semi-truck. And on the back of it, there was a forklift. Now, I don't know all the details, but for some reason, it was sitting too high. It wasn't tied down properly, whatever it was. And so this truck, this semi, is going down the freeway 75, 80 miles an hour. It hits an overpass. And it catapults that forklift. And it crushes that man. 
And the reason they had to shut down the freeway was because they had to bring a, a crane in to lift that forklift off that gentleman in his vehicle. And that is a story that has stuck with me. That is a story that has such a large, profound impact on each and every one of us. You see, it's appointed for man to die one time and then be judged. And we serve an omniscient God. And omniscience, it means perfect knowledge. In other words, God cannot learn anything. If God were to learn one thing, he'd cease being God because he does not possess perfect knowledge. And it's only God who has perfect knowledge. So with that understanding, we must know that God knows our first and our last day before we're even a cell in our mother's womb. The Bible says that God chose us before the beginning of time. And Jesus talks about how no one can snatch us out of his hands. And you go through Romans 8, 29 uh, through 31, I think it is 30, 31. And it talks about those that God foreknew, he called. And he goes all the way back to the womb and beforehand. The psalmist says, I know your frame to kill as the Lord. In Jeremiah, we're told that he stitched us together in the womb. So God knows all things. We have a preset amount of time. God knows our first day. God knows our last day. God knows how we choose to live. And God knows how we choose to die. And the reason why the story I just shared is so incredible is because I know it sounds funny, I don't mean it to sound funny. But how many people do you know who have been killed by a flying forklift? And that just affirms that we're born to live and then to die, and then comes the judgment. Now let me tell you a little bit more about this man. I love to study. I love to research. I love to find things out. But purposely, purposely, I have not sought out any information about this man, about his name, about how he lived his life, about what type of family he had. Was he a brother in Christ or not? None of that. And there's a reason for that. Because the question has to be this. Are you going to be more remembered for how you died than how you lived? Think about that. I know nothing about how this man died. I mean lived. I know nothing about how he lived. Purposely. But I have this tragic story about how he died. And we all got to look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves, are you going to be more remembered for how you live or more remembered for how you die? Now, I've been telling this story for 15 years because it's powerful. 
It rocked my world. But yet we live in a time now that it really doesn't matter how you live your life as long as you die properly. You know, we just celebrated the one-year anniversary for the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And it's sad to lose anybody. And it's sad to lose somebody the way that George Floyd died. And you can go through the chain of causation. You can put blame here or blame there. But no one, no one should have to slowly die. No matter whose fault it was. But let's be honest. I was reading a post from Oprah Winfrey and talking about how George Floyd's life changed the world. And ladies and gentlemen, that's a lie. George Floyd lived a very unremarkable life, and that's not an insult. That's reality. And some could go beyond unremarkable and say he was a criminal. He had many arrests. He did a lot of bad things, a lot of bad drugs, and a lot of people think that it was he, he who killed himself by the fentanyl and all that. And all that doesn't matter right now. But let's be honest. If George Floyd didn't die the way he died, none of us would know who George Floyd is. But today, we're celebrating people who not just died valiantly, but people who live that way as well. Because our soldiers, those who sacrificed the ultimate, who gave it all, it was because of their values, because of the way they lived their life, and then they ultimately died. So today, I want to celebrate those brave men and women who gave it all with the way they lived and the way they died. When I attended the Leadership Awakening workshop, I didn't know what to expect, but I was open. The tools taught at Leadership Awakening helped me discover things about myself that were holding me back from being all God created me to be. Providential? That word coins these life-changing classes because I now realize there are works God has already created for me to walk in, and these workshops helped me to see this more clearly. I received practical insights that I am already applying to be a more focused businesswoman, influential mom to my two teenagers, an eight-and-a-half-year-old son, and patient and passionate wife. I got rid of a lot of clutter in my head. BS, they call it, belief systems that were not serving me. If you want to know what it means to empower others instead of trying to control them, if you want to build a productive team in two days, if you want to press the reset button in your life and give yourself a fresh new beginning, then do yourself and your family a favor and attend the next Leadership Awakening. It's time the giant in you comes alive. Leadership Awakening is coming to a location near you. Details at likeitmatters.net. That's likeitmatters.net. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. I am Mr. Black. Happy Memorial Day. And you know, I thought I would do a show and record it. Uh, I'm off today, but I recorded this last week. Because Memorial Day is about remembering. You know... To remember is an interesting word. Other words like it, to remind, to recollect. Very important. Think about Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, I called him Mr. Potato Head. That's right. 
I did, I did, I did. Because that's how I know him. And that's how I remember him. Even though the world today wants you to just call him Potato Head. Since we know that science says that there's 82 different genders. So we are called to remember. Think about that. With Mr. Potato Head, every time you put your arms and your legs back on him, what did you do? You remembered him. Right? When someone is dismembered, their arms and their legs are removed. So you remembered. You put him back together. You reminded yourself. Put it back in your mind. You recollected. You take all the stuff and you put it back together. See, that's what it remembers. And I want you to think about it. What a lot of people remember is trauma and drama. What a lot of people remember is the bitterness and the hurt. What a lot of people remember today are dark things from the past. We live in a world that wants you to remember all the bad stuff. It wants you to remember how unfair life is. There are three R's to survival. They are regret, they are resentment, and they are resistance. And they all require a rear focus. Think about this. When you are regretting something, you're having negative feelings about something that had to you, was done to you, or happened to you, right? Or something you did that wasn't good. You regretted that you said this. You regretted that this happened to you. You regretted that you didn't go on that trip. You regretted that you did go on that trip. All has to do with the rear focus. And think about resentment. Resentment is more about how someone was treated or what happened to them. You resented the fact that your mom and dad weren't there for this. You resented the fact that your husband or your wife said this. You resented the fact uh, that the first person that had your eye, uh, they weren't interested in you. Again, they all require a rear focus. And then resistance. Think about that. Now, I'm not talking about there's some resistance that's good. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But this type of resistance I'm talking about is something that you're going through now that is for the good. But because of your past, you treat it poorly. Remember, in the study of transactional analysis, there's a stimulus and there's a response. The stimulus does not dictate the response. What happens is the mind is six times faster than we can talk. So someone says something or does something, there's a stimulus. And then we go to what we know. We go to our past, we see something from our past. We go to our past, we hear something from our past. Or we go to our past and we feel something from our past. And then based on that, we respond. See, we're not responding to what that person is actually saying or doing. What we're responding to is our narrative our explanation, our belief about not only what they did, but why they did it. See, none of us respond to reality. We respond to our map of reality. The Bible says a dog returns to his vomit and a sow after cleaning herself returns to the mire. There's a proverb out there that says you can tell a man's religion in time of despair because again, they go to what they know. And think about this. We are like a sponge. When we get squeezed, the only thing that comes out of us is what's in it. The analogy is like if I had a sponge 
and I had a cup of Hawaiian punch, and I had a tile floor. And what would happen is I knocked my Hawaiian punch all over my tile floor. So I go into the sink, I give, get a sponge, I take it out of its wrapper, and I clean up my mess. When I go to squeeze that sponge, you're going to expect dirty red liquid to come out of it. However, same scenario, different drink, let's say I have a brown soda. And so I knock over my brown soda, and there's brown soda all over my tile floor. And so I take out a sponge out of its brand new wrapper, and I clean up my mess. When I squeeze that sponge, you would expect brown soda to come out of it. Why? Because the only thing that can come out of it is what's in it. And that's how we are. We remember. We're reminded. We recollect things. And so many people have a rear focus. And we live in a world today that wants to remind you about what happened. I mean, look at Kavanaugh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh, when he went through his, his hearings. They wanted to destroy him so bad they made up lies about what he did 39 years ago. They got women who can't even prove that they were around him or did what he, they said he did from 40 years ago. Now we have a Black Lives Matter movement that wants to make all black people victims because 200-something years ago, people who look like them were brought to the greatest country on the face of the earth, and now their descendants are citizens here. There's something called the 1619 Project. 1619, 500 years ago. And their claim is, and this is what they want to teach our kids, is that the first slave boats came to the new world in 1619. And so technically, those slaves formed America. And then they go on to say that the entire Revolutionary War was fought to keep slavery. Talk about rewriting the past. That's not true at all. But yet, we live in a world that gets so wrapped up in the past, and we've rewritten history so many times, that some people are willing to believe whatever they want. And God knew this when he created us. That's why in the old days, there's something called the Shema. The Shema is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. And the first part of the Shema begins with one of the best known, most fundamental expressions of Jewish belief. And the one from which the prayer gets its name. Shema Yisrael. Hear Israel. See, Shema here is the Hebrew word that begins the most important prayer in Judaism. As I said, it's found in Deuteronomy 6.4, which begins with the command, Hear. Hear. And the entire Shema prayer, which includes verses 4-9 through nine of Deuteronomy, is spoken daily in the Jewish tradition. And here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as signs on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. Why? Because God knows our frame. 
He knows how we remember. He knows how we remind. He knows how we recollect. And that creates so much of our future because the way we act in the now moment. And we've got to remember this. Today is a day of remembering. And we're called to remember those people that were valiant, those people that were loving. And yeah, I'm saying they're loving. These soldiers, these brave men and women who gave it all, who left it on the field of battle to defend our rights, to fight for freedom. Today is the day to remember them. And I'm also going to classify in that our law enforcement officers, LEOs. Because as we're rewriting the past, and as we're letting groups like Black Lives Matter and Antifa rewrite our history and then make us get stuck in this false history, now we're attacking and killing cops. If you look at the legacy of Black Lives Matter, oh my gosh, it's a terrible legacy. A legacy of hatred, a a legacy of destruction. They're destroying relations between the skin colors. They're destroying the fabric of our society where their legacy is victimhood. Their legacy is destroying the black family. They don't support black men unless these black men are liberals, progressives, or homosexual. That's the only black men they support. They're against their traditional family. They're against having a mom and a dad. They're pro-abortion. You talk about death, it's genocide. How many millions of little black babies have been slaughtered? And let's be honest, the worst place for a black person to be is not sitting in a car with police lights flashing behind them. We're supposed to be under authority. We're supposed to follow authority. The Bible says that. Mommy and Daddy said that. The worst place for a black person to be, the most unsafe place, is not in front or around a police officer. But it's in a black womb. Because the chances of a little black baby getting out of a black womb are about one in four. One in four. So today on Memorial Day, I want to focus on those people that should be remembered. We have a tendency to remember all the bad stuff. We have a tendency to remember all the victimhood, all the times life hasn't been fair. Well, read the good book. It'll tell you two things. Number one, life ain't no fair. And number two, life is hard. Today, we want to remember those brave men and women who paid the ultimate price, who gave their life so that we can have a better one. I am black, and we'll be right back. This is Scott Black of Like It Matters. As many of you know, I have been helping people to be the best they were created to be. COVID-19 has accelerated changes that I have been considering for some time now. Many more people need to receive the benefits of Leadership Awakening. Mental health in our communities is a real issue. We recently received our 501c3 nonprofit status with the emphasis of creating and delivering, taking back your power and your freedom to the least among us struggling with mental health issues. 
Please help us help others. You can save a marriage, save a business, or a life by supporting Like It Matters with your tax-deductible gifts. All gifts are needed, large, small, and everything in between. Please consider becoming a monthly partner at likeitmatters.net. Give today at likeitmatters.net. And by the way, Like It Matters Leadership Awakening classes will continue. Check out the schedule at likeitmatters.net as we build our training for those suffering from the challenges of poor mental health. God bless you. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Happy Memorial Day. And today we're remembering. And you know, Monday through Friday, every single day, we have a tendency to be forced to remember bad people. People have done bad things and they live terrible lives, but because they died in a political way that other people can use their death as a way to get power, as a way to destroy, as a way to persecute, as a way to claim the victim, we have a tendency now have to be focused on all the wrong people for all the wrong reasons, and then we pretend like it's good. So today on Memorial Day, let us remember the good people who chose to live valiant lives. And in the process of living valiant lives, of living noble lives, they came upon an untimely death. Because the Bible says it's appointed for man to die one time and then be judged. You know, there is no justice on this side of eternity. True justice comes on the other side of eternity. And I don't know about you, but uh, I used to be really into sports, professional sports. Uh, about a year ago, I stopped watching all professional sports. I got tired of listening to millionaire victims, people who play a game for a living, who make millions of dollars. Some people make millions of dollars for every game they play, and yet all they do is complain, talk about how bad America is, talk about how much of a victim they are, talk about how life's so unfair. I got so sick and tired of hearing millionaire victims whine and complain that I said I'm no longer going to support their cause and their lies and their destruction of what they're doing to our country. But today I do want to celebrate a gridiron hero. And I'm going to tell you right now, what made this person a gridiron hero is not just the way they died, but the way they lived. And not just the way they lived on an NFL field, but they, the way they lived on the field of life. Let me tell you about the Pat Tillman story from the Pat Tillman Foundation. Patrick Tillman was born to parents Mary and Patrick on November 6, 1976 in San Jose, California. The eldest of three boys, Pat was a caring and protective brother and a natural leader with a tendency to push limits in life, classroom, and on the field. Arizona State University recognized Pat's potential both in classroom and on field with a scholarship to play for the Sun Devils. What Pat lacked in physical size, he more than made up for in intensity as a linebacker. He led ASU to the 1997 Rose Bowl after an undefeated season, earned three consecutive selections to the Pac-10 All-American football team, a first-team academic All-American honor, as well as the NCAA's postgraduate scholarship for academic and athletic excellence. Between games, Pat earned a BS in marketing, graduating summa cum laude from ASU's prestigious W.P. Carey School of Business in three and a half years. Pat gained admiration and high regard from his professors, coaches, and fans alike. 
The Arizona Cardinals agreed and selected Pat in the seventh round of the 1998 NFL Draft. Many people doubted his ability to deliver as a starter on the Cardinals' opening day roster. He answered that skepticism by becoming the team's starting safety and broke the franchise record for tackles in 2000 with 224. Pat's NFL success did not go to his head or break his principles. He still drove to games in the same beat-up truck he had in college. He had no cell phone. He chose to read voraciously and develop, debate, and discuss his ideas with eager listeners, families, and friends. He made your passion his passion. In the off-season, he challenged himself physically with marathons and half-Ironman triathlons while pursuing a master's degree in history from his alma mater. He volunteered with boys and girls clubs, the March of Dimes, and read and talked to students in schools across the Phoenix Valley. The day after the attacks of September 11, 2001, Pat told a reporter, At times like this, you stop and think about just how good we have it, what kind of system we live in, and the freedoms we are allowed. A lot of my family has gone and fought in wars, and I really haven't done a dang thing. In the spring of 2002, Pat married his high school love, Mary, and upon his return from their honeymoon, announced the Cardinals he had decided to place his NFL career on hold to enlist in the U.S. Army with his brother Kevin. The decision shocked many and garnered national media attention despite his refusal to speak publicly about the choice. Pat and Kevin joined the U.S. Army that July, committing to a three-year term. They were assigned to the 2nd Battalion of the 75th Ranger Regiment in Fort Lewis, Washington. They served tours in Iraq during Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2003 and Afghanistan during Operation Enduring Freedom in 2004. On the evening of April 22, 2004, Pat's unit was ambushed as it traveled through the rugged canyon terrain of eastern Afghanistan. His heroic efforts to provide cover to fellow soldiers as they escaped from the canyon led to his untimely and tragic death via fratricide. While the story of Pat's death may have been the most publicized in the war and terror, it is Pat's life, principles, and service that are his true legacy. Pat's family and friends started the Pat Tillman Foundation to carry forward that legacy by giving military service members, veterans, and spouses who embody those principles the educational tools and support to reach their fullest potential as leaders, no matter how they chose to serve. You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's a leader right there. And I have the utmost respect for leadership that provides sacrifice, that provides service, that puts the wants and needs and desires of other people before themselves. And this is kingdom leadership. For Jesus himself said, if you want to be first in the kingdom, you must be last. He said the first will be last and the last shall be first. Even John the Baptist, who was a rock star when Jesus came on the scene. If you look at Josephus, the the Jewish historian, There is far more written about John the Baptist than there is about Jesus the Christ. And it was John who said, I must decrease so he can increase. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. In my weakness, 
his strength is perfected. And of John, Jesus said this, of those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. And yet the least in my kingdom will be greater than him. Think about that. See, John the Baptist had one purpose to live his life. It was to the glory of God. He was called to prepare the way. He called on people to confess and repent. And ladies and gentlemen, we need to know what those two words mean. When you go back to the original language, repent means to change our mind, to turn, to do something different. And then confession, this word that Catholics have really altered and tweaked and made it to where they got to go to a, a man in a room where his face is hidden and share all their dirty, dark secrets with them. That's not what the word means. The word confess, when you go back to the original language, it means to agree with God. That's what it means. To agree with God that he's right and you're not. To agree with God that we all fall short of the glory of God and we all need a savior. To agree with God that we can't be good enough for the kingdom of God. It's not by works, but by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, with the Bible alone, the five solas of the Reformation. That is what we're called to do. And if you go to, I think it's Chronicles 714, I think it is. If my people who are called by my name will turn from the wicked ways, seek me, pray to me, then I will heal their land. Again, we need to change course, change direction. Today, the founding fathers are ridiculed. They're called all kinds of names. And you look up what the founding fathers gave for this country. It's incredible. Many gave life. Many gave their fortune. You look at General Washington. General Washington gave it all. He could have been king in America. They wanted to keep perpetually electing him. It was General Washington that said no after two terms. No. Someone else needs to take over. The Native Americans believed that General Washington was protected by the great white spirit. They would set up sharpshooters to take out General Washington, and nothing could hit him. It's like Jesus when the, the scribes and the Pharisees attempted to take him early. He said, nope, not my time yet. See, when leaders live their lives like they matter, they know they're on God's time, not their own. They know they're called to something greater, not their own good, but something beyond themselves. That's what this country was founded upon. That's what we remember on Memorial Day, these brave men and women. And not just the ones who put on a military uniform, but those who put on the LEO uniform. Because there's a war going on. It was started by Black Lives Matter as a war against police. It's a war against civility. It's a war against authority. And ladies and gentlemen, the outcome of this war will change everything. The outcome of this war will dictate the way forward.
And on this Memorial Day, I pray that instead of remembering all the screw-ups, all the bad stuff from our past, that we have the audacity, we have the courage to remember the brave men and women from the Founding Fathers on who loved this country enough that they so gave their lives. I am Mr. Black, and we'll be right back. Give me 48 hours and I will give you a new beginning. Give me 48 hours and I will give you hope. Give me 48 hours and I will give you your power back. Because between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your freedom. It is your power. At Like It Matters Leadership Awakening, 48 hours will change the course of your life. Discover the very purpose of your life, along with the ability to achieve. Give Mr. Black 48 hours in the next Leadership Awakening. Sign up at likeitmatters.net slash schedule. Welcome back to Like It Matters Radio. Radio, Like It Matters, inspiration, education, and application. Live in life like it matters. That is the name of our newest podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, I know we're pretty big on Apple Podcasts, but wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Living Life Like It Matters, and there you'll see our bi-weekly podcast. On Mondays, we have Story Time with Mr. Black. And then on Thursdays, we have a full-length podcast, just like the radio show, where we help you live your life like it matters. Also, for those of you that want to get closer to God, that want help in understanding the Word of God, that want some daily spiritual food, manna from heaven, uh, daily I send out that. So go to wayofwarrior.blog, drop down to the right side at the very bottom. You'll see a, a button that says follow. If you click that button, you can type in your email address. And every day, seven days a week, 365 days a year when I do it, uh, it'll be sent right to your inbox. And you can listen to this radio show and so many others by going to likeitmattersradio.com, likeitmattersradio.com. And if you want training training that will truly change your life forever, my 48-hour intensives uh, do just that. I've been doing it for 30 years. Go to likeitmatters.net, likeitmatters.net. Right now, I'd like to give a shout-out to one of my good friends, a listener, Mr. Michael Grimm. You know, Mr. Michael Grimm is a soldier who gave everything short of his life. Uh, he fought in the great conflict in Vietnam, the Vietnam War. Uh, man, he was blown up. Uh, his shrapnel. Uh, Michael's a true soldier. I think he's close to 70 years old. And the pain, the surgeries he goes through and has been through for decades. Uh, here's a man who's alive, who gave it all short of his actual very last breath. So I'm proud of you, Michael Grimm. Uh, the people of Austin, Texas are proud of you. Uh, and uh, it's good to call you brother and friend. Thank you for your service to our country. And the rest of you out there, whether you're a military person who served in war or you're a law enforcement officer who serves in the battle that's waging in this country, which is war in our communities, God bless you. Uh, and may God uh, comfort you. And may God provide you the peace that you so, so, so deserve and that surpasses all understanding. You know, today I was uh, I was in the book of uh, Samuel. There's actually two books of Samuel. I was reading about King David. You know, David was a warrior, uh, and David uh, there was two different Davids. Uh, there was the David of First Samuel 17, uh, who's uh, you know that David, David and Goliath. But there's also a, another David that was in Second Samuel 11. 
and um, it goes about war. You know, if you don't know where we, basically the first time we ever hear about David, he's a boy. And it's 1 Samuel 17. Whether you realize or not, but there's always been rules to war. Always been rules to war. And in the olden day, when we didn't have sophistication of war, we didn't have smart bombs and all that, what happened was sometimes they'd come to an agreement. Instead of slaughtering each other's armies, uh, we one team would get their best fighter, and the other team would get their best fighter, and they would duke it out to the death. And then whichever person won, that person's army would be victorious, and there's, they'd have terms of surrender and terms of moving forward beyond that. And that's what the whole story about David and Goliath was all about. So here it was. It was uh, they were on two hills with a valley in between them. You got the Israeli army and the Philistine army. Uh, and unfortunately for the Israeli army, uh, man, the Philistines' warrior was uh, Goliath from Gad. The Bible says he was nine foot nine inches tall, and he was a warrior from his youth. Uh, and he'd come out every day, and he'd challenge. He'd mock the God of Israel. He'd mock uh, King Saul. He'd mock his army, and he'd wait for the challenger from the Israeli army to do battle. Uh, and day after day after day, it was like 40-some days, I think it was, he could come out every day, uh, and the Israelites were scared to death. Who would blame them, right? The Bible says they were hiding under caves and rocks, all that stuff. And so uh, David was but a boy, a shepherd, uh, and David's dad, Jesse, sent him to the front lines with some bread for his brothers, so he had three brothers in the battle, and some cheese for the commanders. And so as David's approaching, uh, he hears this Philistine mocking his God. And all the Israelites were bothered by it. Uh, King, um, King David, little boy David, would have nothing to do with it. And so Saul wanted somebody to fight uh, David, I mean, fight Goliath. I mean, nobody would fight him. None of his soldiers would fight Goliath because they knew they were going to die. And he kept upping the ante to the point that when David showed up, here's what Saul promised. For whoever would fight Goliath, uh, they would get um, his daughter's hand in marriage, so it would be part of the king's family, uh, would have no taxes for life, who doesn't like that, and would be able to sit at the king's table. That means eat the best of life uh, every day. So that was a lot to offer, but everybody said, what good is it if I'm dead, if my head's detached from my body? And so no one would take him up in the offer. But David was so appalled by how people were mocking his God that he said, I'll fight him. And they even attempted to put Saul's armor on him, but he was just a boy, and Saul's armor was too big because Saul was, if you remember right, was a pretty big dude for, for Israelite. And so David went to a creek. We call them creeks, but some people call them cricks. And he pulled out five stones. And he approaches Goliath. And Goliath mocked him. Goliath said something like, you come at me like a dog with sticks and stones. And David said, hey, buddy. And you know why David was successful? Because David spun that rock around. And he put the rock in between the two eyes of Goliath and stuck in his forehead. And the Bible said he fell down immediately. And David rushed over and took uh, Goliath's sword and cut off his head. Now you got to know, here's a little boy who was successful when great warriors in Israel's army wouldn't even approach. And you know why? Because David remembered. See, today we're, studying, we're celebrating Memorial Day. And Memorial is all about remembrance about to put it back together, to remember, to remind, to recollect. And if we're going to be victorious moving ahead, 
Because we got a great battle, a societal battle. I'm not talking about with guns and knives. I'm talking about values and beliefs and opinions. We've got to remember who we are. We've got to remember the great people who sacrificed so much to get us where we are today. See, the reason why David was successful is because he remembered. It is written that David slayed the lion and the bear. And so David was reminded that God had delivered him, that God had delivered him from the lion and the bear. He had slain both. And, God, and David remembered that the battles of the Lord's and not David's. Just like Gideon said, the sword of the Lord, that's what it is. And so David remembered his past, which allowed him to have hope for the future which caused him to be active in the now, to be noble, to be bold, to be self-righteous, to step up and stand up when nobody else would. And it's because of that remembering that he was able to slay the giant. And I want you to know that that is a true story. People treat it like Aesop's fables. It's a true story. There was a King David, and he did fight Goliath of Gad. And it's interesting because David picked up five stones, and there's so much written about why five stones. First of all, David doesn't have premonition. David didn't know that one stone would kill him. David didn't know that he would put that stone right where he wanted. Some people say, well, he had five for this or because Goliath had uh, you know, five bro or four brothers and this and that. Who knows and who cares? Undoubtedly, God didn't feel the need for us to know that. <clears throat> but it's good to be prepared. I learned in the military. I served in the military. Never served in battle, but served in the military. I learned the six Ps of preparedness. Proper preparation prevents piss-poor performance. And I believe that David got five, just in case. David got five, so his whole holster was loaded. David got five, so no matter what happened... He would be victorious. And ladies and gentlemen, as we celebrate Memorial Day today, I'm going to suggest that the prince of this world, Beelzebub, that the forces of darkness, whether you call them Black Lives Matter movement or, or Antifa or progressives or the Democratic Party, they're wrapped up in having you remember all the bad stuff about America. They want you to even add to it and make stuff up and put purpose and meaning on everything and say we're all evil and all white people are, are terrible and all black people are victims. You've got to fight that. You talk about the battle. The battle is in the mind. And that's why we do what we do on Like It Matters Radio. That's why we do what we do at likeitmatters.net. Because what we hold on to, what we remember, at some point comes out when we get squeezed by life. Remember, when life squeezes us, we're just like the sponge. The only thing that can come out of us is what's in us. And when Jesus walked this planet, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In other words, he said, watch me. Whatever I do, you do. When Jesus was squeezed by life, what came out of him was love, mercy, and understanding. That's my hope for America on this Memorial Day. You are under construction on the Like It Matters radio network. I am Mr. Black, helping you become more hopeful about your future, reminding you when you live your life like it matters, it does. 
You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Just as a solid chair has four legs, Like It Matters has four distinct things that we do for those who desire to be living life like it matters. Transformational leadership training. This is our most potent and powerful thing we do to help catapult people to the next level. Go to likeitmatters.net to read about our 30-year history of changing lives by changing the heart, body, and soul. Like It Matters Radio, this daily hour of power that creates a consistency in your learning and growth. This is daily radio that is inspirational, educational, and applicational. Go to likeitmattersradio.com. For a vision from God, daily manna that feeds the spirit, go to wayofwarrior.blog. That's wayofwarrior.blog. And finally, Living Life Like It Matters, the name of our new bi-weekly podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, just search Living Life Like It Matters. Like It Matters is a registered 501c3 where we help all people, no matter their skin color, background, or financial means. You can help us change the world one person at a time by making your tax-deductible donation today to Like It Matters. Because when you live your life like it matters, we can change the world, starting with our own.